0: So as I have, my wife and I purposed after many years of seeing Pastor Carl Becky and the family and anchor, um, he would jokingly say, come on down. We decided it would be a good season to come down and help pitch in and just be an encouragement to him and his family and the church here. And so he kind of has, he's a great administrator and he has administratively uh, developed a tree and I think I'm on that tree as pastor of discipleship. Um, so I wanted to do some teaching. I am not done with Romans. I, uh, I'll probably be back and forth in Romans for the next couple of years. It's just that great of a book. And you just need to really take your time verse by verse in Romans. It's a, that great of a book. But periodically, a pastor likes to break off and go to something. And I want to break off for... <clears throat> Um, a f- uh, number of times here in the next few months, maybe this spring, summer time on discipleship. Um, <clears throat> it's that important to be a church of a church of evangelism and edification, and the two E's in Ephesians. And I think Pastor Carl has been doing a great job from the very get go of the church plant here. So I'm not trying to stir the pot or develop anything different than what's been going on here. All I wanna do is try to enhance that spirit. And you already know he has a tremendous spirit of discipleship. He'd like every single person that walks in these doors to be discipled and and to be edified and to be matured and encouraged. So uh, Brother Kenny has some outlines for you. Please don't be discouraged when you get them. They look like a whole semester (laughs) Classwork. <laughs> I periodically like to give outlines out. If you don't like writing and you don't out, like outlines, and I don't know if Mike, you can hear me out there or somebody knows where all the pens are. Are there pens in front of you? Thank you. So you might grab a pen. If you don't like writing, okay, then don't write. Listen, PowerPoint is up there, but we're going to be back and forth. We're going to be in this outline a number of times. I'll have another. Outlined coming after this so we're going to take our time i'm not going to force anything i want us to grasp i want us to have a heart of discipleship i came from ohio where there was a church up there that their heartbeat for discipleship was overwhelming it was incredible and just as you see and hear a lot of discipleship going on in this church one-on-one it shouldn't just be pastor carl discipling everybody or pastor day or or a couple people, it should be you folks discipling each other. It really should be. That's what the Lord intended that to happen, not, not one under-shepherd trying to shepherd the whole flock just on Sundays and Wednesdays, but for everybody to be discipling each other. So if I keep talking, I'm going to talk my way out of time. <clears throat> Brother Kenny said he'd give me an hors d'oeuvre if I cut it off early. No, just kidding. <laughs> I said I refuse to. <laughs> now, bear with me tonight, because you, you can laugh at me, uh, but I have spent hours and hours and hours and hours on this, and to, I have PowerPoint in front of me, my notes in front of me, it's up there, so there is bound to be typos or mistakes or something that's going to happen tonight, so I am, I'm not uh, infinite, I'm finite, uh, so... I'm just a mortal man, so bear with me tonight if I crash and burn. Father, I need your help tonight. You know my heart is that these people would have the heart of Jesus Christ, and His heart was to be the sovereign servant, a discipler, and we see that in the Word of God all over. And we're, I'm excited to go over the study with them. I know they're tired. It's been a long day for all of us today. May we cap this evening off with some good Bible study and some stirring of our heart. And not just an emotional stirring, but may your Holy Spirit stir us and move us for weeks and months and years to come of this opportunity and gift to disciple people that walk in this door. And not just the under-shepherd, the pastor here, but for every member of ministry here to take it upon themselves. Well, we praise you and thank you in Jesus' name, Amen. <clears throat> Let me see if you have a pen in your hand. Got an outline? Ready to write? Okay, if you're not, it's okay. <clears throat> I'm going to stay on my script quite a bit tonight. Okay. <clears throat> in I almost said, uh, gotta turn this on. In First Thessalonians chapter two verse 8, Paul gives us an insight into the nature of the discipling ministry that I want to call to your attention. 1 Thessalonians 2.8 says, So being affectionately desirous of you, he wrote, we are willing to have imparted unto you not the gospel of God only, but also our own lives, because ye were dear Unto us, And I'm sorry I don't have that text up in front of you. But Paul says it's not just the gospel. The gospel is the starting point. But Paul says we were willing to impart or pour out our own lives for you to see and understand what Jesus Christ is doing in our life. Jesus conducted himself among his disciples as a servant. From his example... They were expected to learn that they, in turn, should be servants one to another and to their fellow men and women. Any doctrine of the Christian ministry which presents the minister as a ruler in the church or the people as righteous dictators in the church, folks, is unworthy of the president set by the church's Lord and Master Jesus Christ. He never set that president. That Pastor Carl was Lord of this church. And he knows that. We all know that. And that you and I are righteous dictators from a righteous church. We don't operate that way. This is a hospital for the hurting. To give hope to people that walk in these doors. (coughs) Not a ruler, but a servant. The Gospels teach that Jesus came to serve, not to be served. And taught his followers accordingly, folks. Not that lowly service will be rewarded by promotion to a position of greatness, but that in his kingdom, and you remember, lowly service is truly greatest. Being a servant at Anchor Baptist Church is the greatest that could go on in your life. As we study the marks of a discipler, Some will be an encouragement to you, while others will be, I hope, convicting and challenging in some of the text. At some points, you may say, I can never become a discipler if this is what is expected of me. That's a common attitude in the church, folks. It really is. Pastor Carl, you disciple everybody no matter if you have 5, 10, 15, or whatever, you disciple everybody. It's a common attitude. It ties into our self-centeredness and fear of failure, or I would say pride. Please realize, folks, that neither you nor I are fully mature as Christians. We are all progressing as Christians. All of us, folks, every one of us, I'm sure all the marks that I'm going to show you over the up-and-coming weeks, I'm sure all the marks are not lived out in your life in a perfect way, although they should be present to some degree all the different things that we're going to go over, all the marks of a discipler. Nevertheless, folks, since Scripture is our guide always, right, we will look at the marks of a discipler that are the standard of the Word of God. Nothing radical, nothing new, but there's a standard of the Word of God. And understand that the Bible never caters to man's sinfulness or imperfections. The Bible states exactly what the godly requirements are, the ideals. And we are to allow the Word to show us where we fall short. So if you're following your outline, I'm hitting a lot of blanks, and it's okay if you're not filling those in. <coughs> but if you are, great. Great. It's almost like uh, discipleship one-on-one in a college class almost. In verse 18, the, the verse I read to you earlier, um, in verse 18, I'm sorry, it is our privilege and responsibility to let the word of God train us to live righteously, not to get discouraged. And discouragement happens an awful, you know, one moment I'll talk to somebody and they're like, I'm so encouraged And the next moment, a few days later, the next week, I'm so discouraged. Don't get discouraged in the area of discipleship. We are all in the process of growing, all of us. We fail, we're growing, uh, we're living for Christ. These marks that I'm going to go over should be written down somewhere for you to reevaluate regularly. That's why I gave you the outline. I pray that they will serve as a challenge and motivation in your walk with Christ. So... Just a little intro, let's go ahead and let's get started tonight on the first mark. Okay, these are very simple, but they're very important. Commitment to loving the Lord Jesus Christ. If you want to be a discipler, and all of us should be disciplers, you can just sit back and cruise in your Christian life and not be a discipler. Just get discipled all your life, coming to church and going to uh, camps and doing this and that and going to meetings. All of us should be disciples. Commitment to loving the Lord Jesus Christ. <clears throat> According to John 21, it was Jesus' desire that Peter serve his sheep, the flock. You remember John 21, what was going on there? In verse 15, <clears throat> simply, I can't pull up every text tonight. But in verse 15, he tells Peter, Remember this, feed my lambs. Remember Jesus telling him that? In verse 16, he says, Feed my sheep. But interwoven in those verses was Jesus' desire to confirm in Peter's mind and his other disciples that he had been training and teaching. And that includes all of us tonight in this room, folks, tonight, the fact of Peter's love for him. He wanted to confirm Peter's love for him. Jesus did not ask Peter, Peter, do you love the flock? No. Great. Don't put water up here, Brian. Peter, do you love the flock? No. Christ said, do you love me? Do you love me? Why? Because Jesus knew that if he could establish Peter's love for himself, then Peter would not have any problem caring for the Lord's people. So don't, do you love the flock? Yeah, I love the flock. But if you ask Pastor Carl tonight, "You love know the flock?" Well, certainly I love the flock. Do you love? Je- I love Jesus. That's why I love the flock. And so that's what Peter, got, the Lord, is trying to get across to Peter that night. His focus would be right if his focus was on the Lord Himself, His love for Jesus Himself. If he loves Jesus; he'll love the flock. <clears throat> if you love Jesus, guess what? You'll love the people around you. You'll love to get involved in people's lives. You'll love to go through studies and Bible studies with them. You'll love to hang out on an evening with them. And you'll love to get some coffee with them and go over Bible verses and go over uh, biblical counseling topics. And if you love Jesus, you'll love to be involved in people's lives. That'll be a right focus. The key issue is Peter's love for the Lord Jesus. And that should be a key matter for us tonight. Your love for Jesus Christ. Our love for lost people will not be as strong and purposeful if we are not first truly in love with Jesus Christ himself. Is that okay? you okay with me saying that? You think you love lost people? You think you love to evangelize? Your love for lost people and your love for evangelism will not be near as strong as it should be and could be if it's not primarily first your love for Jesus Christ. Our love for people, your love for people, if you're a Christian lover, if you're a people lover, if you love lost people, your love, folks, for people stems off of your love for Jesus Christ. Always understand that. Always talk to married folks and like, they're like, what's the first, best, most important priorities? Well, the most important priority is not your wife or your husband or your children or your job or your church. It's your relationship with Jesus Christ. And then it all goes from there. <clears throat> so, let's look at some subpoints here. Love for Christ, love for Christ manifests itself in obedience. All these should be on your outline. So again, if you want to take notes you can, if you don't, you just can sit back and watch, listen. Love for Christ manifests itself in obedience. In obedience. <clears throat> 1 John 21, verse 19, Jesus tells Peter to do what? Follow me, right? Follow me. In verse 18, Jesus told Peter about his career. A new responsibility. Jackie, you just recently, in the last number of months, got a new career as a Christian. Jesus said, come follow me. He got a new career. Um, he talked to Peter about a new danger, a, a, violent, a violent death. Jesus placed Peter in a category with himself, a life spent for God and ultimately sacrificed to glorify God. And you'll remember that, that tradition says Peter was crucified what? Upside down because he didn't want to be uh, the same as our, our Lord crucified the same way. <clears throat> in similar language was used concerning Jesus' earlier, him, his life earlier in the gospel. Then in verse 19, Jesus simply says, he just simply says, follow me. Not a semester long of teaching, not a hierarchy of educational, doctrinal understanding. He looks at him and he says, follow me. Jesus says that. The command, follow me, actually is it was at that point in the present imperative. And you don't even have to, it's a a present command, isn't it? It literally means keep on following me. Follow me and keep on following me. Don't get distracted, don't get discouraged, don't get depressed, don't get down, don't fall out of the race. Follow me, present imperative, and keep up following me day after day after day. <clears throat> Jesus showed Peter that if he were to fulfill his promise of loyalty, he would have, have to follow him to his own cross. Now, I don't know if anybody in this room will ever literally have to follow Jesus to your own cross. But that's what, that's what Peter had to do. And not only Peter, but to all Christians saved by the blood of Jesus, as to some extent, and I have no idea what, to what extent, for a while, to one extent, you were in part of the world that it had to be hush, and I talked about, and I will be on emails and, and social media. The danger uh, is different. And to, so for all of us, to whatever extent it is, um, to follow Jesus. If you're Christian tonight, Jesus... Your, your, your obedience is to follow him and to keep following him. <clears throat> In John 14, 15, Jesus said, if you love me, and we already said, what's the premise? I love lost people, I love the church, I love people, I love... Huh. Do you really, really? Who do you better, Jesus? And he says here, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. You will keep my commandments. If you love me. You will keep my commandments. Some point on your paper. If you want to know whether you are loving Christ, now I ask a lot of questions in this study. I just a question guy. I love to ask questions. If you want to know whether you are loving Christ, do not ask yourself, how many times have I told the Lord I love you? No. <clears throat> ask yourself this. Because you can tell your wife, you can tell your husband, I love you, I love you, I love you, I love you. Right? But that doesn't mean so much if you're not obeying. Ask yourself, Am I obeying Him? Am I obeying Jesus? The issue when when measuring your love for Him is the degree of your obedience. Are you an obedient Christ follower? Are you obedient to Christ? That's the answer. I love Him. I don't want to go to church on Sunday. I don't even want to go to church. I watch Him on TV. I watch. I'm okay, but I'll just sit at home. And uh, good to see you if you're not okay and you're watching the live stream tonight. We're glad you're watching. But I love Jesus, and I don't want to get a Wednesday night. I love Jesus. Forget about ABS. I love Jesus, and I don't need to disciple anybody. I, I love Jesus, but I love my home. I love to relax. I love, to, I love the sun. I love the beach. This is, um... You can't say I love Jesus and not obey him. In the most simple commands. and the most simple command is present imperative. It's a command, follow me. And that encompasses everything about Jesus' life, doesn't it, folks? Loving Christ is not an emotion, but rather a matter of obedience. It is an act of the will. Now listen, if I said tonight, my premise was tonight... You know, it gets a little bit frustrating when you say it's not an emotion because I get all emotional. But if I say tonight that you're just all filled with emotion because you just love Jesus and let's just throw the beach ball out there and get passing around, and crank the music, and let's just have a ball tonight and get the Coke and Pepsi out and donuts. And I am so excited. I'm so emotional about Jesus. And then you go home and you get a call that the, your your uh, retirement thing fell out or you lost your job, young one. Or or this letter came in the mail, or and you're like, oh, man, or or somebody died, or some accident, or some illness, or cancer, or (coughs) whatever circumstances life throws at you. And so emotion isn't the, the overriding factor here. It's obedience. It's an act of the will. Sometimes I don't feel like coming to church. Sometimes I don't feel like talking to my neighbor. Sometimes I don't feel like even shaking your hand. Sometimes I feel very selfish, very prideful, very me, my space. I want to sit at home and watch Andy Griffith on a Wednesday night eat popcorn. <clears throat> Forget about your emotions because they come and go. Great, there are some great emotions. And I love my emotions. I love the joy of ice cream. I love the joy of popcorn. I love the joy of food, chicken and fried chicken. I love steak. Uh, just, I just, But, you know, emotions come and go. Obedience is the key factor here tonight. <coughs> so, another sub-point here. Loving Christ means nurturing your relationship with Him. So important. You married folks tonight will realize what happens if you don't nurture your marriage? You missed the marriage retreat. You need to get back to the marriage retreat. Maybe one's coming, but we'll see this. You need more than a marriage retreat, you need to nurture your marriage. How about your children? Do your children just grow themselves? I mean, just throw some food in front of them on, the, on, on their bar stools and, and they're at the table and throw some food at, in front of them and get, make their beds and let them sleep and eat. And, and like, no, you got to nurture them, don't you? <clears throat> Loving Christ means nurturing your relationship with him. Nurturing your relationship with him. <clears throat> This means spending time with him. Getting to know his love for you. And communicating with him. Does this sound like unorthodoxy? Like, really? Like a Sheffy? Like, you could lay out in a fleece and talk to Jesus and be with him and read his Bible and, and communicate to him and he's going with you everywhere. Yes. this means having a constant and vital personal fellowship with him. Just as you're sitting beside somebody tonight or behind or in front of you. Jesus is there with you. Just, Just that close, just with you. He's, a relation, he's part of a relationship with you. He's, you're in a relationship with him. And you, that's a constant, vital, personal fellowship with him, walking with him, talking with him. Even when you ah, scream at that person that cut you off on the road in, in this horrific traffic down here. Jesus, help me get used to this stuff. Thank you for not letting me get in an accident. Thank you for being offensive and defensive. Thank you for your angels, maybe. Thank you, G. Talk to him. Walk with him. Fellowship with him. That's disciple making. And folks, I will tell you over the years, pastoring up north, just like Pastor Carl does, one after another, after another, after another, we would have kids in our home for a year, two years straight, eating popcorn, watching movies, going to uh, Cleveland Indians, Pittsburgh, Pirate baseball games, eating hot dogs, going over Bible uh, uh, studies, uh, eating meals together, watching Christian movies together, fellowshipping with the Lord Jesus. Not just at church for people to see you, but every time you're out running all over the place, they were always welcome to go with us and be with us in our home. Whenever we fellowshipping with Jesus, <coughs> that's part of discipleship, folks. Sometimes it is out and out sin that keeps us from having a right relationship with the Lord. Sometimes it is. Come on now. Have you ever had a sinful heart? You all been selfish? I'm telling you, I'm a selfish guy. Sometimes it is just sin that keeps us from having a right relationship with the Lord. It's not Jesus' fault. He says, Brian, come follow me. Just keep on Follow me. Don't stop. Be consistent. Sometimes I'm like, oh, Jesus, I want a break. I want a pot pie, chicken pot pie. I want three of them with buttered bread and jam, strawberry jam on the side. And I want to watch three movies and just just chill. I'm tired. I'm stressed out. Life is busy. I just want to break Jesus. <clears throat> Sometimes it's okay to take a break and relax and chill, get in a hot tub or go relax, take a walk on the beach and whatever. Go golfing, whatever, relaxing you. But you understand what we're talking about here. You can't stop your relationship. You can't walk away from the Lord. You can't stop following him and serving him. You can't stop having a heart of love and discipleship through, with him, through him, and then that broadcasts out. When you walk in these doors, it's not like Pastor Carlos greeting greeting 100 people and like, hey, we want to go over. You're all. You're all fellowshipping with Jesus, in love with Jesus, and because of your love and fellowship with Jesus, and not because of your emotions, but because of your obedience and commitment, you all are like, hey, can I help you find a seat? Is this the first time you've been here? Are you vacationing Are you regular? You moved in. You, are you familiar with this? Can I help you? <clears throat> I wanted to get in a Bible study. <clears throat> um... Most often, it is neglecting to worship Him. Neglecting to relate my life to Him on a constant basis. Neglecting to talk to Him. And neglecting to be honest with Him. Are you honest with Jesus? When's the last time you talked to Jesus? You just talked to Him this morning? Talked to him this afternoon? you talked to him driving over to the church tonight? you talked to him at supper time? I prayed breakfast, and I prayed lunch. I thanked him, and I thanked him for supper. I love food, and I thanked him for all my meals. When's the last time you talked to him? <clears throat> When's the last time? Have you been honest with him? I'm struggling, Jesus. You know my struggles. You know my desires. You know my lust. You know my heart. You know my anger. You know my jealousy. been honest with him he knows already unless you cultivate here's a blank uh section before we go to our next point our next mark unless you cultivate a relationship with christ you will have nothing substantial to say to the one you're discipling you're sitting down drinking coffee and going over the word of god with the one you're discipling ask yourself here's a question what should I begin to incorporate into my lifestyle? Both attitudes and actions. Both attitudes and actions. What should I begin to incorporate into my lifestyle? Both attitudes and actions that will improve my relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. Is it my time? Is it my schedule? Is it my energy? Is it, what's, what's, what is it? How do I build my relationship with Jesus better? So that's a mark of... A, Discipler. And then <clears throat> the second mark is a genuine discipler has a heart for people. You knew it was coming. You have a heart for Jesus. You have a heart for people. We've got a bunch of verses here now I want to walk through with you. <clears throat> and I'll talk about them just for a second, each verse. <clears throat> Romans 1.11. And I don't really have the verse up there but I'm kind of, <coughs> excuse me. I'm kind of supposing you, you know them. There's a deep and strong desire here for the people in Romans one eleven. Paul proceeds to speak of it, and he makes it clear that it is no selfish desire. He longs to see his Roman friends, not primarily to get something out of them, but in order to impart something to them. Paul wanted the Roman Christians to be strengthened in the faith as a result of the gift of God would give them through his ministry. He speaks of strengthening them, and gives that as the purpose of his proposed visit. I want to come and I want to strengthen you and encourage you. Paul was not aimless in anything he did, folks. He he nothing at all. He had a purpose to everything. Life was not easy for the first century Christian, right? We know that. We think we have it tough. We get up and we have this thing called the Keurig. All you have to do is put the coffee pot in, push it, put the power button, put the coffee pot thing under there. You got coffee. If you want to go over and watch news or a program, you just click a button. Years ago, you'd be like, Johnny, you get up and you go turn the TV on, push that button. You get up. No, I don't want to get up, you get up. I'm already under the blanket, I'm comfortable. All we have to do is push a button here, turn the light switch on here. We, we have running water for uh, uh, toiletries. And I mean, we've got it easy. First, first century Christianity, folks difficult at Rome as elsewhere it was important that they be strong that they be strong the Christian life is not easy today and we must have a genuine heart for people okay what I want to do now folks is I realize I want you to see the verse and and go to Philippians chapter 1 verse 7 Philippians chapter 1, verse 7. In this area, a genuine discipler has a heart for people. Verse 7, Paul says, Even as meet for me to think this of you all, because I have you in my heart, inasmuch as both in my bonds and in the defense and confirmation of the gospel... Ye all are partakers of my grace. Paul says, I have you in my heart. It's only fair that the apostles should feel this way about the church. Remember, Paul was in prison, in bonds, defending the gospel. The people of Philippi was also defending the gospel. So Paul says, I have you in my heart for participating in the work of the gospel with me. I love you. You're serving. You're working your butt off for the gospel. I am too. I'm in jail. You're getting roughed up. It's a difficult season of life in this century. And it's tough being a Christian, Paul would be saying. But I love you, Philippi. I love you, people. I love you, church. I'm working the gospel here where I am. They've got guys constantly, 24-7, chained to me. They're rotating them. I'm giving them the gospel. Some of the people in in the palace here is getting saved, and you're working hard for the gospel, too. I love you. That was Paul's heart for the people. You know what? You get Pastor Carl up there, and he's like, I love you folks. And people are, every Sunday, it's like a mad rush of people all over the place. Everybody's serving and talking and praying and fellowshipping and and I know he's thrilled with ABS, all the people coming to all the classes and the children's classes and, and the nursery sometimes gets filled up and, and it's, it's wonderful. Um, Philippians eight. Philippians 1.8. For God is my record, how greatly I longed long after you all in the bowels of Jesus Christ. Paul's not lying, God's his record. As Paul cannot find words to give expression to his longing for them, he appeals to the fact that God who judges the hearts of men knows how tenderly and sincerely he is attached to them. His heart's attached to them. How he has them in his heart. How his affection for them grows into a great longing for them. At the same time, it is not so much the intensity of his love and longing, but the distinctive nature of it. To which Paul gives expression by adding the phrase, in the bowels or the tender mercies of Jesus Christ. It is more than human love, folks. It's a spiritual attachment to Jesus Christ that causes all of us to love each other. Why do you text other church members? My wife gets lots of texts from you, ladies. Why do you text each other? Because you what? You love each other, don't you? You love each other. <laughs> it's a spiritual attachment to Christ. With the heart of Christ, Jesus, the apostles' longing for the church. It is Christ himself who in and through Paul loves them and longs for them here's a question tonight folks do we love and long through the heart of the Lord Jesus Christ like Paul did for our brothers and sisters do you, do you love your brothers and sisters like Jesus loves you like Paul longed for those folks in his day <clears throat> Philippians trying to stay close here Philippians 1 24 and 25, if you have your Bibles or your phones, 24 and 25, nevertheless, to abide in the flesh is more needful for who? You. He's always thinking of everybody else and not himself. And having this confidence, I know that I shall abide and continue with you all for your furtherance and for your joy of faith. Over against Paul's personally directed desire for the very best, he now weighs the interests of the people, the necessity of staying in life still longer for their sake. I want to go be with Jesus, but because of you folks, it is so important to be with you, to love you, because I love Jesus, to be with you. That's what Paul is saying here. This is not his own heart's desire. But the need of the church and his God-given calling in their behalf becomes the urge that ultimately determines his expectation for the future. I want to come to be with Jesus. I want to go to the third heaven. I think that he went and he seen. But no way. The Lord's like, I've got a lot of work for you to do, and I've got a lot of people, my people that need to hear my word from you. The church still needs Paul. Still needs Paul. Pastor Carl's, it still needs under shepherds. It still needs people to encourage them and to disciple them. They still need Jesus. For their sake, it was necessary for Paul to live on longer. To be with Christ is far better. And we would all agree with that. It's far better. But he says it is necessary to be here with you. Doctrinally, we would say it's far better to be with Christ. Doctrinally more difficult, it's far more important to be here to edify you and to disciple you and to mature you. Verse 25, this verse refers to the whole portion of verses 19 through 24. We didn't read it all. Paul knows that all will turn out for his own good. In verse 19, that in everything Christ will be magnified, whether it be life or death. In verse 20, and with the conviction that life would mean fruitful labor, verse 23, and that it was necessary for the church's sake, verse 24. He adds in full assurance, I shall abide with you, or in other words, that God's way for me means longer life and continued labor in their life of faith, growth, development, and progress. It was indispensable that Paul be there for them. It's indispensable for that discipler to be discipling you. It's indispensable for you to mature in God's Word and for you to maybe not sit on your lazy couch eating popcorn, which I like to do, but to get off that couch and to disciple somebody else and help mature them in the Word of God. Knowledge of Christ and love of Him, obedience to Him and trust in Him had to increase and the growing faith had to be accompanied by joy as the natural sequence of sure faith in those people's lives so he couldn't leave god wasn't going to take him out of the world because there was a lot of work in those people's lives to be doing paul so wanted to be with christ but he knew he had a job to do in discipling people is that your mindset tonight Boy, I'm going to get through a couple more verses and then I will stop tonight. Philippians 2.20. Philippians 2.20. Go to Philippians 2.20. For I have no man like-minded who will naturally care for your state. Timothy, right? Timothy, to be sure, is being sent... Because Paul is nobody like him who will look after and attend to the interests of the church in such a genuine and upright manner. For the whole circle, Mark and Luke, was probably absent from Rome at this time. Brothers around him, do not put the calls of Christ in the foreground in such a way and with such self-forgetful devotion that he can send them and that's what the rest, they're just all, after he is crucified, they're just, they're not even being useful. In Philippians 2.20, in verse 21, says, With others, their personal consideration, their own interests carry greater weight than their sacrifices on behalf of the cause of Christ. But, but Timothy, but Timothy, could you put your name in there tonight? But, your name, but Timothy had the same mind as Paul. He had a heart for the people and we must have the same hearts at Anchor Baptist Church. The heart that has a spiritual interest and in progress of others before their own. Do you have the spiritual interest of others more on your mind than your self-pleasure agenda? It's a tough one at times. <coughs> it's a tough one at times. Philippians 4.1. Philippians 4.1. Therefore, my brethren, dearly beloved and longed for my joy and crown, so stand fast in the Lord, my dearly beloved. Therefore, because there are many enemies of the cross, and also because the believers are looking forward to the coming of their Lord and Savior, Paul exhorts them to stand firm. And he does not just say, my brethren... But my brethren dearly beloved and longed for, Paul says, to the church. They are fervently longed for by Paul's heart, which goes out toward them. He says they are his joy. He says the church, Pastor Carl, go home tonight, maybe eat a piece of pizza or have a salad or just not anything. But he could go home and say the church is my joy and my crown, just like Christ. Anchor Baptist Church. The Philippian believers gives Paul calls for great rejoicing in that they accepted and lived according to the gospel which was preached to them. And for this reason, it is the crown or the garland of victory, folks, for the apostle who founded the church. Could we say that about people that we are discipling? Can there be a joy and a garland here at Anchor Baptist Church because of the discipling of people with other people? Your love for other people. One more verse now. Colossians 4.13. Colossians 4.13. For I bear him record that he hath a great zeal for you. Personalize these words. And them that are in Laodicea and them in Heriopolis. Great zeal for them. Having observed Epaphroditus firsthand, Paul could bear record that he had a great zeal for the Colossians. And those at nearby Laodicea and Heriopolis, Epaphroditus is his, his fervent Agonizing prayers and his single-minded passion for his, the people's maturity must have greatly encouraged Paul and his other co-workers, and it should greatly encourage us today. We need to have that same great zeal to be involved in other people's lives. When's the last time you had somebody over to your house to eat? When's the last time you fellowship with somebody? When's the last time you've asked somebody to <clears throat> how their prayer life is doing or how can you pray for them? Um, there's a blank here. It would be foolish for a person without this love to commit himself to a discipling ministry because he will not last. If you do not have that type of love, it would be foolish for you if you don't have the love of Christ and the love for other people to try to fake it because you'll quit. To try to fake it, you'll quit. Uh, I feel like I just got started, but you feel like I've been going long enough so I'm going to quit and I better put a note here where I stopped for next time and good taking notes if you took notes if not good listening all I'm trying to do is I'm pouring out the scripture to you pouring out the heart of Jesus really the study for the up and coming months is going to be off of our Lord Jesus Christ's heart he is sovereign but he is servant to all that was around him on earth so Folks, may we, as he has called us to follow him, may we follow him, may we love him supremely, and then by loving him supremely, may we love others around us. Let's go ahead and pray. And Mike's going to come lead us in our last hymn. There's a lot of water up here. I spelt the water, so... Father, thank you so much for this evening. Thank you for these people. We, we have labored today physically and uh, lots of responsibilities and requirements and agendas and circumstances. And now tonight I pray that you would just help them to go home with much on their hearts and much on their minds concerning their love for you, Lord Jesus, and then their obedience to you And along with that, then a growing love for the very thing that you love the most, and that's your bride, the church, and your people. And that you would, as we're all here in a sense, generally disciples and apostles, sent ones, called ones um, to herald your word, to teach your word. May you continue to give all of us here a love for you and a love for other people, and to impart not only the gospel, as First Thessalonians said, but also to impart our very lives back to them as we serve and minister to them. We thank you for this evening and all that you continue to do. I pray in Jesus' name, amen.